Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hi, Craig. Hi, Carol. Thanks for joining me. Um, I, I'm, I've seen you on a whole pile of Zoom calls, right, over the years. Um, and looks to me like you are now in your fancy schmancy new sound booth. Even I don't have a sound booth, but mad props on, I'm going to say, getting addicted enough to it to like, all right, that's it. I'm rearranging this room and I'm putting foam on the walls and stuff. <laughs> um, and I think that speaks to from what I've seen, your curiosity to find like, okay, what's the simplest thing that could possibly work here? And then when things start to annoy you, you kind of figure out, all right, it's time to go figure that out. And I, I think um, that's a really good attitude. And I've, I, I always want to say, I've seen you, but actually it's, I've heard you also do that in, in like what you're doing with how you assemble your episodes and how you edit. Um, that being said, we were talking beforehand and you mentioned one year. So congrats on that. I was like, do my, my Foley. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I know uh, how I'm bowing, <laughs> bowing into the mic. I, I always think it's uh, it's. I really think it's important to recognize when I see other podcast creators. You know, they're like, oh, "I just finished episode ten, and I'm like, "That's awesome!" Like, yes, like, and I, I don't mean it sarcastically because, as you know, it's like a lonely world, right? You're all by yourself. So uh, one year anniversary, we were talking beforehand about hosts on mic, and I'm going to say some experimenting that you've chosen to do. <clears throat> so one of the things I asked you beforehand was, and so this is the question is, do you, um, did you choose to write out, like, how did you decide what you wanted to say in your one year anniversary wrap up, roll up host on mic episode? How did you decide what you want to say? And how did you go through creating the, the actual recording? Yeah, it's a, uh, thanks for asking because it's I, I've been so reflective over this process, and it is a process that I have just begun. Usually, I have uh, interviews, and I, I'm one of those who just does one a month. So, so I do. I, you know, I have one year anniversary, and I have twelve episodes, eleven of which have been published. So, <laughs> I'm very proud of that, even though it's it's yeah, not that's way beyond pod fade. Um, <laughs> Yes. I think the year, in my personal opinion, still doing it a year later is even more impressive than whatever particular number of people can get to because there's a lot of different levels of work. And I know that the ones that you added are not easy, but I interrupted you. Sorry. Keep going about. No, that's your okay. So yeah, this is all, uh, you know, a learning process. So um, the idea of, of talking without talking to somebody is is just been very mind blowing. I, I didn't think it would be as hard as it is. Um, so when I was writing out what I wanted to say for my little one year anniversary, uh, episode that I wanted to be about five minutes, um, uh, well, yeah, it sounded not like I wanted it to sound. Um, <laughs> and so right I, along with you. I did it's it again hard. and I did it again and I did it again and just not quite there. And, um, I decided to just crinkle up the pieces of paper and just talk. And that's where I'm at right now. I have not pushed the publish button. I am still needing to get feedback from my um, my supporters that help me now and then with uh, giving me a heads up or uh, thumbs up, I should say, right. or thumbs down. So, uh, but, uh, it, so it was an interesting, um, interesting process. I'm, I'm very interested in exploring the different ways that, that I can communicate. And I, um, exploring my voice. I, I just did a workshop about voice and 
I realize that there's so much there that can be explored. Um, but what it comes down to is basically that when, when I talk, it'll hopefully come out, you know, good enough, you know? Yes. How do you, how does one fake, um, (laughs) authenticity? (laughs) Right. And, and at first I, I, I thought, well, before I ever tried to do any host on mic, I was like, oh, how can this be? I talk all the time. turns out it's really hard, right? Yeah. But then I started to pay attention to <clears throat> if you've seen comedians or, or singers or bands perform live, I start to think, oh, wait a minute. How do they do this? Because, you know, I'm trying to think about like, um, I saw Harry Connick Jr. one time live in concert. Uh, if you ever get the chance, do that. And, and he, I was like, he's having fun or is mm-hmm. he, you know, like, uh, can it be that you could really totally fake it or do you at some level need to just be super passionate about what you're doing? And then, all right, it's night 75. I have to psych myself up to get into the space. But then, uh, so I think that there is a space that you can get into that one can get into. And then from there, when you speak extemporaneously, maybe with some bullet notes, or you've just read the thing enough times that the bullets are in your head. Then when you speak extemporaneously, you're, you're actually performing. It's really fake. It's not actually off the cuff. You're delivering the ideas that you know you want to deliver, but they're like played through the, the Craig player piano. So it's like, wow, it sounds really awesome. And then <laughs> do it again. it's like, wait, it sounds exactly the same. So is that authentic <laughs> or not? And that, yeah. that to me is the, the, the hard part, you know, like, if it's completely authentic, then it's a 20 minute ramble for me. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, I, I found that it was actually authentic because it was, I did it once without notes and I had to focus so much. It had to be authentic. Otherwise I would have frozen. So I just kept going with how I was feeling and talking and trying not to think too much. And then when I listened to it, I was like, wow, that that's a different voice than, than reading that, that I dig, I, I dug deep and right. I, I feel like my voice, it was very interesting. My, my voice says that, you know, it, it definitely, uh, I hear, I heard myself in a way that was different and I, it's more my interview voice, my question voice, um, but certainly not my prepare a speech voice and definitely not my welcome to wisdom shared where parents are the experts. I even took that out because it just sounds so stilted (laughs) to me. Yeah. There's, I, I, you strike me as someone who's, I'm going to say particular about language. I don't mean like, you know, grammar fanatic, but, and I, I find, and I'm the same way. I find that when I'm just speaking off the cuff, the act of making sure that I, you know, words into the correct sentences order put that like my mind will stop and go, no, that's not, that's not grammar. You have to, and I I wind up running multiple trains of thought. I'm running one train of thought, like, am I using the English language properly is a complete like waste of mental energy when all I'm trying to, if all I'm trying to do is I just did it is (laughs) be authentic. And I'm just wondering, have you ever, um, played with that, like thought about in a, in an interview or conversation setting where, you know, where you have some questions in mind, how much effort are you putting into coming across sounding sane and how much effort are you putting into engaging in the conversation? There's that balance in a conversation. Then there's also a similar balance, I think in host on mic, like how much energy you're putting into sounding sane and normal and how much energy are you putting into connecting? Uh, Have you thought about that balance? 
Well, uh, to be honest, my what I've come to is that I well I I do not at all think about grammar. I my goal is just to be completely myself. I've um, decided that that's the way it's gonna succeed for myself is 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 to trust that whatever I have in me extemporaneously in a form of connection always hmm. and also remembering who is my audience those are the things I have in my mind other than that how I say what I say just comes from somewhere deep down and it doesn't come from my 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 uh well everything comes from your brain but it doesn't come from me thinking so I try to put my feeling self into it more than my thinking self, which is a challenge for me because I have multiple degrees and I've been raised to please the teacher and write this way and think this way and do it the right answer and get a good grade. So I, that's one reason I find podcasting so liberating is that I can just be myself and realize that, and this is what I see in other podcasts, the ones that where people are really themselves with their mistakes and with the messiness, I, I appreciate that. I, I find that much more engaging than than perfect. Yeah, um, it's human, right? Yeah, and I and I like that. So I give myself permission to be human. And in saying that, I wanted to say one more thing, which um, was that I forget. Uh, but um, oh yeah, I I wanted to also um, share my. One little bit of a conundrum is that when I interview these, in my my podcast is called Wisdom Shared, and I interview parents of children with special needs, and it's sort of morphed into a little bit of a wider um, parental um, subject of just children who are mm -hmm. unique and extraordinary, uh, which are most children. And I know always who my audience is and why I'm asking the questions and that that's my guide. But when I did my host on mic, I, I couldn't help but ask myself, like, who am I doing this for? Because I'm talking about my reflection. And is that for myself or is that for my audience? And every day it sort of changes and I haven't published it yet. And and I, I have decided that it's it's worth putting out there. It will be published. And I guess it's a combination of both. And I have the assumption that what I have to say in my reflection is going to be moving and interesting and uh, have a connection of sorts with my listeners. That's my hope. So, so even though I'm, I'm, uh, I am talking about my feelings and my thoughts, I'm going to go with the assumption that that's interesting to somebody else. And that that's a whole different way of, um, for myself being in the world because I usually go go to others for for their expertise and I I shy away from my own opinions. Hmm. That's that's a great observation about the difference in who's it for. I people can't see but I'm writing frantically. Um <laughs> <laughs> and you will all just have to wait. <laughs> I finished writing that phrase. Um, the observation about who it's for is uh, that it be, that's different for the two different kinds of things that you've created so far. Um, yeah, that's that's a really astute observation, I think. Um, I'm guessing, you know, I don't know if anybody listens to the show. Hi, mom. Actually, my mom doesn't. <laughs> my mom does not listen to the show. I can guarantee it um, because you have to ask me how to listen to podcasts. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, same um, here. Same here. <laughs> 
everybody else is thinking, oh, come on, Carol, you got to tell us some of your observations and some of your reflections from one year of podcasting. I don't, you don't have to give me the whole five. I, I would love to have the whole five minute um, host on Mike episode, you know, said right now, but give me some of the reflections you have from one year. Uh, well, yeah. So um, I, you know, and I, I'm not really using my uh, left brain so much. If I were, I would I would be able to just list all the things I've learned and who said what because I've only had 12 guests. Um, but I just didn't want to either do the work or I thought my, that might be boring. So I just, in general, felt like, what did I learn? And I learned so much. So what did I learn from these parents as a summary? And what I learned was not in order, but, you know, some ideas that might be cliche, which is another fear of mine that, but nevertheless, it was what I learned that we are all more similar than different. And it's worth saying that because a lot of these parents struggle with being sort of put in a uh, category other than what's considered normal. And what I realized is you know, first of all, normal is overrated and that there is no such thing as normal. And those are all cliches. But the truth of the matter is that it's true. So I felt like there's like this microcosm of a reality that no one really talks about that has come out through these parents who have children with special needs. There's this whole humanity that's very universal. And I didn't actually say this in my <laughs> reflection, but uh, maybe if I did a part two reflection. Version nine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'll say it now and now it's out there uh, that, you know, there's um, there's so much that carries over for everybody, even though I have a very specific audience and a very specific subject. Um, and that's to me what has been the most fascinating is the universal themes that have come out from these parents who I am asking about their experience. and. I talk about, you know, why did I choose this particular population? I, I I explained how my podcast got started, which was I was at a training and at the training, instead of there being a majority of people who are professionals like myself, because I'm a physical therapist, in this training, they were actually parents of the children with special needs. The training was to to learn how to work in a specific way, the Anat Banyal mm. method, mm way of working with children and they all told their we all told why we were there in our stories and I was I was crying hearing their stories but I wasn't crying because they were sad stories I was crying because they were remarkable stories and I was just kind of blown away by wow you know this all goes behind closed doors I mean what do I know I have a neurotypical teenager uh, I work with with people with all kinds of diagnoses. But how how much do I actually know really what's going on at home right. and, and all the deep stuff and the hard stuff and the day-to-day -day stuff? And um, so I, I felt like there are all these stories. There were over a hundred parents there from all over the world. And I I knew that that there were there was this 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 story that needed to be told. And then I actually did little things, but nothing, you know, I just, I had it in my mind. I got to know them more and more. And I was like, oh, this is so, it needs to be out it there. Be for shared, right? It needs to be shared. And then COVID happened, literally. My my private practice went um, on hiatus and I chose to use my time 
to sign up for Seth Godin's uh, podcast workshop and start with these families to interview them. And, and finally, ah, I, I, let's see if this can, uh, can, can be a way to share stories so that other families going through similar uh, experiences can learn from the f- other families, as opposed to asking the doctors who, you know, when it comes to chronic conditions, medicine is limited. And the idea that these kids are even sick is questionable. They're just different. And that's just a whole different way of looking at the world. And then I, you know, maybe uh, season two or season three, I'll start talking about the P word, the politics of of disability and ability and ableism in our society, because it it so much reflects all the isms that we do talk about, but very little do I hear the media or anybody talking about disability. And I want to say one more thing for sure before we run out of time is that I do reflect on this idea that the irony of it all is that if we're lucky enough to live long enough, we will all have a disability and call it what you may, whether it's the hearing or the vision or the balance, we're going to have deficits. We're going to need help. We're going to need to rely on other people. We're going to need adjustments and uh, uh, what do you call uh, accommodations? Accommodations, <clears throat> exactly. Accommodations. And those words are just usually just left for specific, you know, poor, poor, you know, kids that aren't or people that just, you know, or uh, they're poor wheelchairs and all that. And so, um, but it's really all of us. So this this population, I didn't expect this to be because I'm trying to just go in there, letting them speak their truth and their expertise. And I'm realizing I am learning so much, even though, you know, I don't directly have a uh, connection with having a child with um, a so-called disability. So it's it's been a beautiful experience. And, um, you know, I do have a uh, a um, expertise of sorts uh, in geriatric um, physical therapy. So, um, theoretically I know what's coming (laughs) and, uh, it's, it's, it's not pretty potentially. However, that's another subject. I do want to do a Ted talk on how we can really, um, really, uh, prepare for old age much, 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 much better than, than any of us really realize, but that's another topic, but it relates to this podcast only in the sense that, yeah, you know, um, this is life and and it's just sad that 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 we have to marginalize uh people um that that and that's the way that our our even as sophisticated as we are as a society we can't even get it right that well if something is not the right height for um potentially a majority or at least what is average height that that's a questionable who who decides that Hmm. And and why should we make the average height so um, unavailable to so many when we could make it uh, more uh, available and then other people might have to actually bend their knees, you know, but at least it's available to everybody. And, you know, I'm speaking sort of esoterically because I have, you know, these stories in my mind that I haven't even published yet. Um, But I'm very excited about, you know, 
just getting these ideas out and, and hopefully, you know, people's minds will be opened a little more. That's that's my hope and that people will be helped in their own um, attitude towards, you know, w- what's possible and, and, and how to, to look at life a little differently. Thank you for sharing. I think, um, like, there's a million things in it. Well, maybe not a million, 432 things in there you said that I'm like, oh, that needs to be reinforced. <laughs> um, but one that really jumped out at me was your observation about, and then I, I would agree, the same experience. And I think all podcast creators go through this, especially when you're doing conversations with other people. You don't really realize how much it's going to change you. You're like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have conversations or interviews mm-hmm. and I'm going to mostly stay out of the way and I'm just going to facilitate it. And then you're, you're like, every time you come away from one of those, you're fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that nobody ever told me about that. And I, I don't want to say nobody warned me because it's not a bad thing. It doesn't need a warning label. Uh, but I think your <laughs> point about <clears throat> how much you were surprised by how much it changed you, even though you're like, well, I mean, I want to share these people's stories. I'm not directly in the same experience as they are. I'm not having the same sorts of challenges, um, but it still changed you. And I think that the work that you're doing, sharing those stories obviously is super useful and please keep doing more of it. So as much as I hate to say it, I think that's a great place to stop for today, Carol. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop into a call with me. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. This has been awesome. I hope to talk to you again.